Did you notice in the middle of verse 27 that it says, which the Son of Man will give unto you? Let's not fall into the error of a works religion here. We are called to labor for the meat that endureth. That means effort. It means energy. It means to be determined. But what is this work that we're to do? Well, if we follow the conversation, you'll notice in verse 28, they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and we're staying with our message today on satisfaction in Christ from John 6:27, that we are to labor for the meat that perisheth not. How many people are running after things that do not satisfy? They are so disposable, so short-term, so empty in the end, whether it's money, fame, fortune, or the pleasures of this world, they come up empty. But there is a peace and a joy that is found in knowing and serving the Lord Jesus. And that is the the message I want to uh, minister today here on Let the Bible Speak, from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. Also have an excerpt on abortion. The statistics in this country is that fairly consistently over the last 10 years, that each year there have been approximately 100,000 abortions. That's in hospitals and clinics in this country. Also, the statistic shows that for every three children that are born, one is aborted. So for 1,000 children born, uh, about 300 are aborted. That's a dreadful, dreadful statistic. And of course, to a, a Christian, to a Bible lover, to one who fears God, even to have one child aborted is a heinous crime. And so I want you to stay tuned with us as we come to that message today from the pulpit of our church here. And if I can be of personal help, make sure you get in touch. All the details are coming up at the end of the program for our website, email, phone number. I look forward to hearing from you. So stay tuned now as from the pulpit of our free Presbyterian church, we let the Bible speak. Now, I looked at this, and I wondered, how am I going to preach this? How can I bring myself and bring others to grasp and take a hold upon the way in which the Lord Jesus feeds, nourishes, and satisfies the heart of the believer? Well, in Christian doctrine, there is an emphasis upon the threefold offices of the Lord Jesus. It's a part of his work as the covenant Savior Redeemer. And those threefold offices are prophet, priest, and king. Now, in the Old Testament, each of those offices were individual. There were men who were prophets. There were men who were priests. And there were men who were kings. In the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus and in his work as Redeemer, all of those three offices come together 
in the one person of Jesus Christ. Him hath the Father sealed, and he hath made him to be to his people prophet to teach, priest to pray, and king to rule. This today will be a little introduction. Maybe, maybe, if the Lord leads, I will take these three offices in the weeks to come and try and open them up and preach them a little with more development. But I at least want to endeavor to introduce you to what the Lord Jesus is doing for your soul. You see, as the Savior who has given the work of redeeming your soul, He is active. He is actively working as your prophet, priest, and king. This is a work that is ascribed to the days of his humiliation. He was prophet then. He was priest then. He was king while he was ministering on earth. But now that he's alive and ascended to God's right hand, he continues to conduct these offices, prophet, priest, and king, to his people. And with all the authority that is ascribed to him, remember what he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And at God's right hand, as the head of the church, as the head of the body, he is actively ministering as prophet, priest, and as king. And it is very profitable for us to think in terms that Jesus satisfies the soul. Now, this gets into emotions. It gets into the experience that the Christian has with his Lord or her Lord. It gets right into the recesses of our hearts, our affections, as the Puritans put it, of what we feel inside as a Christian. Now, true gospel preaching is objective. It's not subjective. The feelings come as the result of the truth. And this is where we differ from the Charismatics and the Pentecostals. The ministry of the Charismatic is straight to the emotions. The gospel is the ministry of preaching Christ in his fullness, in his work, his ministry, what he does for us, and leading the believer into a comprehension and a personal enjoyment of that faithful ministry of the Savior within the soul. So I just say all of that so that you know what I'm doing and where we're going. This is not a feely, feely um, pretense. This is the real ministry of Christ to your heart. And it lies at the foundation of, yes, Jesus satisfies my soul. You got it? You realize where we're going. And so I'm going to introduce you now, just in a very brief way, to these three offices, prophet, priest, and king. Now, as prophet, it means that the Lord's ministry is to teach. It was Nicodemus who said, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man that doeth these miracles, unless he be of God. A teacher come from God. That is the office of the Lord Jesus. And of course, he is the great teacher. We who on earth are called to preach and struggle with words and try and explain things and get people to comprehend things, we often feel so much. We are so limited in our ability to teach. 
But the Lord has undertaken in the covenant of grace, in the plan of redemption, to be not only the Redeemer to bleed and die for his people, but to be the teacher of his people, the prophet, who will bring his people out of darkness into true knowledge, out of the ignorance of a sinful life as sons of Adam, out of the darkness and the perversion of, of man's rebellion, into the light, the knowledge of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. John 17:3. this is eternal life, to know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And so much of our enjoyment of the gospel, so much of the confidence that we need in the Christian life, so much of the blessedness is in knowing, and knowing it in the heart. Now, I can, and I'm sure you can too, think of a teacher that not only taught facts and details, but gave you a love for the subject. I know teachers who have such an enthusiasm for the subject they teach that they can make their students jump for joy. They're not just learning stuff. The whole world is just opening up to them as they learn those things. That's how Christ teaches, because he teaches from the heart. Remember, Lydia, how the Lord opened her heart. And the Lord opens the eyes of our souls and makes us to see. And we not only see material things, we see heavenly things, the things that the natural man can never appreciate, the things that the unconverted soul can never grasp. They become now new realities to the believer because Christ is our teacher, our prophet, and he opens up the vistas and the glories of heaven and enables us to see not just with the eye of sight, but the eye of faith. That's the work of our great prophet. And that is how Jesus satisfies the soul. Now, I'm not going to preach any more of that, or I'll have no sermon for next week, because I do want to come back to this. This is so vital, so precious to the Christian, that I think we need to learn these things inside out. So we'll come back to the prophet, Lord willing, next week. But then the priest, what does Jesus do for us as our priest? Well, he intercedes, but he's also our sacrifice. Christ as our priest made himself a sacrifice for sin, a sacrifice that was altogether eternally sufficient, that can wash away every sin, every stain, so that when you are troubled in soul, when your conscience is troubling you, when your heart is plagued with temptations and struggles, you can go to your priest. You can depend on his sacrifice and the fresh application of his blood to truly bring peace, joy, gladness once again into your soul. Do you remember how David prayed after he had sinned so horribly, and he asked the Lord to wash him and make him clean. And he talked about, create a right spirit within. Grant me the joy of thy salvation. That's the work of the priest. That's the power of the cleansing blood. 
That's the assurance that it is well with your soul, and there's no stain, no sin between you and the fellowship of God the Father. And then at God's right hand, Jesus lives to pray and hear our prayers and our petitions. All of this the Lord Jesus does for us. It's His work in us. Let me say that again. It's His work in us. Let me repeat that for emphasis. It is Jesus' active ministry as our priest to minister to our hearts peace, pardon, and to hear our requests and make our prayers effectual at God's right hand. That's the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Now, do you see what this does to us as Christians? It lifts the burden. It's not my performance. It's not my works. It's not my doing. It's what my Lord is doing for me and working in me. That's grace. That's liberty. And that brings us to true experience and enjoyment of the grace of God. And then the office of king. Now, in the Old Testament, you had many kings. Some were good and some not so good. David, of course, was the greatest king, the one who slew Goliath, the one who battled so victoriously and powerfully against that enemy of Israel, the one who fought so many battles for Israel and won, the one who took Jerusalem and brought his people to live in Zion. That's David as king. And all of what happened in David's life is just a picture of what the Lord Jesus does for us. He slays our enemy. And if you think Goliath, you can think of the devil. And at the cross, as our king, Christ toppled, beheaded the devil. He is a defeated foe. That, that is our victory today. And the Lord Jesus enters into our battles, our temptations, our struggles. And we all have battles, spiritual battles. Temptation stalks us. The world allures us. And we need spiritual power. And it is the work of Christ the King to reign, not just in the world around us, in the political world, but reign in our hearts and to give victory to His people over and over and over and over again. So what are you battling today? Do you feel defeated in the Christian life? Let me tell you, you're going to be very miserable if that's the case. You're not going to be telling me that you are really enjoying the Christian life and you find Christ satisfies. You're not going to be giving the testimony that you are really enjoying the life of a Christian. Some Christians can get so low that they might even get to the point, oh, I wish I'd never even professed to be a Christian. In that hour, Christ is not reigning as he would and as he should. And you need the Lord as king in your life to know the power of soul and the power of heart to live a new life, a victorious life, a triumphant life, not repeating the same follies and the same grievous sins that destroy your testimony and rob you of blessing. No, Christ wants to reign in your life. And when you crown him king of your life and submit to his rule, then you know the blessedness and the sweetness of the Lord. And that is 
real satisfaction. That's real satisfaction. And I'm looking forward over the next few Sundays, and we'll probably take it one at a time, prophet, priest, and king, to try and enlarge on these areas in which Christ acts in these ways for us. What we need in our homes is Christ to reign as our king. We need him to drive out the love of sin. We need him to rule in our children's hearts. And these are the things that he works by his power. And when we talk about the satisfaction of Christ, our enjoyment of him, let's get to these great offices that he fulfills, prophet, priest, and king. Now, the Lord's rest that is promised to us here is through faith. Did you notice in the middle of verse 27 that it says, which the Son of Man will give unto you? Let's not fall into the error of a works religion here. We are called to labor for the meat that endureth. That means effort. It means energy. It means to be determined. But what is this work that we're to do? Well, if we follow the conversation, you'll notice in verse 28, they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. The error of the people, we have to work. The message of the Lord, I give it to you. It's grace, which the Son of Man giveth. But you've got to come, and your work, if you want to call it work, is to believe on me. And so that's the Lord's answer here. Your work is to believe on him whom the Father hath sent. And so we see that rest comes by believing. The one whom the Father hath sent. You believe in his person and his offices and his work on your behalf. And when the Lord says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, that's faith. We're yoked up to the Lord by believing. And our part, our function, our task is to keep on believing, or as we preached two Sundays ago, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so this now becomes the Christian life, ceasing from ourselves, ceasing from man, looking unto Jesus. And the faith life is like asking the Lord to throw a rope around you, and you lay hold upon that rope by faith, and the Lord does the work. Stop trying to save your own soul. Stop trying to make yourself better. Stop trying to make yourself holy. Stop trying to make yourself a man or a woman of prayer. Can't do it. This is the work of Christ in us. And we're to pray for these things. We're to ask that he works them into our hearts and into our lives. And as we submit and as we ask and as we seek his power and his grace in our lives, we find rest. We cease from our own action, 
and we rest in the grace, the ministry of the Lord Jesus. I read of someone who talked about Americanitis. And you might think that's referring to the recent politics in America, but no, it referred to someone using an escalator the wrong way. An Americanitis, the work and the ethic of many is, it, it's like trying to climb the escalator the wrong way. And you can't do it. You always defeat it. You're always brought back to point zero again. If your Christian life feels like you're just doing and doing and doing and doing and accomplishing nothing, what you've got to do is to stop trying in your own strength. Jesus says, believe on me, on him whom the Father hath sent. And that is to walk by faith not by sight. A minister was traveling in a train, and as he sat in his compartment, someone noticed that he was a preacher and had a Bible, whatever, and this person spouted up, and he says, I just can't believe that we're saved by faith without efforts. And this went on and on for quite a while until the conductor came along. And when the conductor came in, uh, no, the argument that he made was that you know, it's, it's not faith alone, it's character. It is how we live and what we look like and so on. And when the conductor came along and he checked for tickets, he just took a ticket here and a ticket there, and he hardly even looked at the people. And the preacher made the point, did you notice that that conductor didn't look at people at all? All he cared for was the ticket. And God is looking for faith, not our works. He's not looking for our per- self-performance in the flesh. He's asking us to trust him, to find rest in him for our souls. So today, take the rebuke to heart. Labor not for the meat that perisheth. Secondly, take the redirection. Earnestly strive for what will stir your soul, but don't do it yourself. Look to Christ as your prophet, priest, and king, and he'll work it in you. That's living by faith. That's grace. And if you're not yet saved, trust today. Come today. And may the Lord deal with us in grace. The Bible is clear on the existence of human life in the womb. Science is also clear that life takes place in the womb at the point of fertilization. And I have a few quotes here from Princeton Education Pro-Life articles. Almost all higher animals start their lives from a single cell, the fertilized ovum. The time of fertilization represents the starting point in the life history or ontogony of the individual. Although life is a continuous process, Fertilization is a critical landmark because under ordinary circumstances, a new, genetically distinct human organism is thereby formed. The combination of 23 chromosomes present in each pronucleus results in 46 chromosomes in the zygote. Thus, the diploid number is restored and the embryonic genome is formed. The embryo now exists 
as a genetic unity. Now, that's the science behind it all. And the Bible speaks of the child in the womb as of full human value. In Exodus 21, 22, we read that if men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according to the woman's husband will lay upon him and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if any mischief follow, meaning the child dies, then thou shalt give life for life. Our Canadian judge could not identify the moment of the gestational spectrum when a fetus becomes a body of a child. Let him read the Bible. Exodus 21 or Psalm 139 will do it. It is never right to take life out of convenience to cover up wrong choices. I read a pro-life poster saying, Abortion has never been about choice. It's about escaping the consequences of your choices by taking all choices away from another human being. The problem is that two wrongs do not make a right. And so it is best to face the sin that led to the creation of the unwanted pregnancy and do the right thing by supporting the life that is in the womb. In this society, there is no such thing as an unwanted child, as there are thousands on long lists waiting to adopt a child into loving and caring families. If your circumstances do not allow you to keep the child in your womb, then allow some couple to be parents to the child you may not be able to keep. Lastly, let me say that there is mercy with God for those who come to see the crime of their previous abortion, and many do. Guilt is a terrible thing to live with, and guilt always catches up with anyone who chooses abortion. That life you carried in the womb is a fact, and an eternal fact, that that child was created in the image of God. And only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from the sin of killing that child in the womb. Praise God, there is mercy for you through repentance unto life. The Lord Jesus said, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven you. But until you acknowledge that abortion is sin and confess it to the Lord, you will carry that load of guilt to your grave and on into eternity. How shall you do at the judgment seat of Christ? Today the Lord says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But without repentance on the judgment day, he will say, Depart from me, ye cursed. I trust that you will choose life, not only for your infant in the womb, but life for your soul, by turning to Christ as your Savior, who can save you from all sin. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.lbc.com 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.